Hello friends, welcome to Thrive. This week's gonna be fun. Have you ever seen Mad Men? If you have, you know who Don Draper is. Now, did you ever think that Don Draper had a real-life father? Well, if you never ask yourself that question, I'm asking it for you. And I'm gonna introduce my friend. His name is Juan Javier Peña. He's kind of a big deal in the world of advertising. And by a big deal, I mean he was named the number one copywriter in the world, according to the Cannes Lion Global Creativity Report. He was featured in Adweek's Creative 100 as the creative direct one of the creative directors who are completely reimagining what's possible in advertisement. He has been named one of the rising stars of Madison Avenue who are revolutionizing our, uh, advertisement. He has won over 180 international creative awards, including Grand Prix and almost all of them. He has uh, created five Super Bowl spots for Heinz, Budweiser, Devour, Burger King. His work has made it to the permanent collection of the Museum of Modern Art here in New York. And he has been used as an example in, in the United States saying that specifically when, when speaking about net neutrality, and you're going to hear that story when, when we talk about it with him. So if you like advertisements and the psychology behind it, and you want to learn a little bit about how to thrive in that world and how to really go from being an unknown to being number one in the world in a specific field, you're going to like this one. So have fun. Welcome, Juan. Welcome to Thrive. Here is where you thrive. Um, so we were talking a little bit about uh, how much I edit the podcast. And I really don't. It, like, I, I make this sound like a little bit nicer if, if, if it sounds weird. I think that with every episode, it's getting a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I, I don't edit it much. I mean, I, if you get outrageous, you, if you start talking about something that is going to put you in jail, I'm probably going to take that out. Probably going to take that out, but otherwise it's going to be a, a fluid, raw, just conversation. Thank you for not letting me go to jail. <laughs> and thank you for <laughs> inviting me to thrive. I'm, I'm thrilled to be in thri thriving. Yeah, man, I'm excited that you that you're coming today because I was reading your stuff. You, I knew you were famous. I didn't realize you were that famous. I didn't realize that you have like stuff in the Museum of Art, like in the permanent collection of the Museum of Art. What do you have there? So yeah, that's a that's a that's a cool one. Um, because usually, like, you, you, like it's not really famous. Like it's it's near. It's not nearly advertising famous. Like, it's just the thing that in advertising, they give a lot of awards. Like, there, there's a big award circuit. It's almost like in, in movies, but you don't get paid as much. Like, they have the Oscars, and you have the Golden Globes, and you have, like, all these awards. And probably you have more, like, indie awards and, and all that. And there's, like, a big award circuit in advertising. So you get a lot of recognition for what you do. And it's kind of like this intersection of art and commerce, which is kind of cool. But, um, but like, there's people that are actually really famous. I think that the, the thing is that because I'm a Colorian, as, as are you, um, yeah. it's like, it's like you, it's like you, just because no one has done anything like that before, mm. it, it, may, it, it like makes a mark. So there was no like, like 
I think the level thing was like our college back in Ecuador, the yeah. University of Casa Grande. Like they put like a billboard when we won our first line because it's like our former students are winning like awards. Um, and, and so they put a billboard in, the, in, in our college. And my, my parents and my aunts were texting me like, hey, I saw a billboard of you. And so it's not really like mainstream famous. It's like niche. It's like famous in the advertising industry. And it's not nearly that famous because there's really big names in the industry. Um, but the, the, the thing about the Museum of Modern Art in New York is like there's this award show that it's um, called uh, the A A AICP uh, awards, which the the award like the, it's you submit your awards and it's usually like they have a film category that's the main category and the AICP next, which is kind of like the weird ideas that are not necessarily films. And if you win. That, and, and they're super like they don't have that many winners like it's I don't know like 15 20 winners a year okay. they get inducted into this sort of like mini hall of fame thing where they keep they record your film or they have that archive in the museum of modern art so that it gets stored forever and that's pretty cool so, so can I go see it like the yeah, museums are opening the, finally next week so I'm definitely gonna go so where do I find you there so I think you have to go to the archive of the thing. It's not like on constant display. I'm not sure if it's on constant display, but it's on the archive. And if you go to, to the AACP website, uh, there's like the, the like it, it has all the winners there with all the videos for the commercials. And, and there's like, um, it's in the permanent connection of the Museum of Modern Art in New York. And that sounds like pretty cool to put on. That does there. sound cool. Now, let me ask you something. So all your commercials are there? Not, not all, only the winners. I have, I think I have two. Oh, Wait, two. is the Burger King, the, the artificial intelligence one there? I'm not sure if we submitted that to, because I, I changed agencies and, and when, when the submission for that, for that award show in specific came, I'm, I'm not sure why it was at the agency at the time, but um, I'm not sure if, if they send it here. But uh, like previous working work, like the Wuhan, the Whopper work that we did, uh, it, it made it there. Um, that and, and uh, Heinz uh, campaign that we did with uh, like Mad Men, uh, it's also there. So we have like cool. two two pieces of work sitting there in the archive. Amazing. So we're gonna live forever in a museum, which is pretty cool. Well, I I really hope that they submitted your Burger King ones because if they did, I'm gonna feel like I'm in the museum too. Like I, I'm gonna yeah, feel no, like I, my work I think, there. <laughs> I think that's amazing. Like that, I, <laughs> usually like. When you when your friends know that you're in advertising, like they're pitching you these crazy ideas, that you're like, man, that that'll never work. <laughs> there's no, there's no way I can sell this to the client. They feel like it's like weird, like because I think like every human being is creative. You just have to sort of like learn how to do creativity for a purpose, and that right. purpose being selling shit or for a cause or for whatever you were, like for whatever purpose you're doing advertising for or brand or product. So, um, in, in this case, it's, it's, it's kind of like you, you have your friends like pitching you ideas that it's just crazy. Like, like <laughs> there's no way like a client would do that. But then like, but having in that case where you send me that tweet of, um, and we tell this openly, it's not like we, we hate it. Like we right. made it public. It was like, you sent, you sent me that tweet of, uh, Keaton Patty, this like comedian, really funny guy on Twitter. Uh, 
and and he he does he does his thing where he's like I submitted a thousand hours of I think it was Olive Garden commercials uh, mm -hmm. and I created this bot this algorithm artificial intelligence thing where I submit like I I, I feed the bot with a thousand hours of an Olive or Olive Garden commercial and then, then he writes he learn he learns how to write its own kind of like with an algorithm and artificial intelligence so. Uh, you sent that to me. Of course, it's a parody, and it was right. hilarious. And I was like, "It's fucking hilarious!" I still read it every once in a while. We have to do this for Burger because <laughs> it's like super self, like the brand super super self deprecating and, and all that. And it was like I remember it was early June because uh, two weeks after that, we meant we were in Cannes, in the Cannes like the Cannes advertising festival. That is a week before, or like two weeks before the film festival, the really famous one. And but the, the advertising one is also the most famous one for advertising. Um, and I was there with the client and we built a small deck with the tweet that you sent me. And I was like, look, a friend, uh, this crazy psychologist friend that I have. Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Yeah, I know, I know you get offended by that. Psychiatrist. <laughs> well, friend we just I, study like 25 more years. Uh, but at that yeah, time, no big deal. At that no time, you were you, you hadn't graduated yet. Like this was like 2017 or 18. Yeah, probably. So um, I, I, I we showed him the idea. Me and, and Ricky, my partner, and we're like, we have to do this. Like we have to hire this guy to write like fake bot written uh, commercials for Burger King. And he said, "Fuck yeah, let's do it." Fernando Machado, our client for Burger King, is now our client for Popeyes. And we did it. Like the next and the next year, we submitted it to Ken. Uh, and it like did incredibly well. Like it won like our golden film, which is the toughest category. It won a golden radio, like all the hardcore, hard to win categories. It won, and and that was pretty cool. And and I I told you I was, I, I like I was eternally grateful for you doing like sending me that tweet because an amazing idea came out came out of that. That that is so so much fun. And of course, I feel amazing. For, for giving you that idea, but I, I, I'm, you're also being very humble, right? Like you executed that idea into actually something funny. And, and I also think that you were being a little bit too humble when you were saying that it's like only a, you're like a niche famous, like an only mildly famous. Like I'm reading this like number one copywriter in the world, according to the Cansline Global Creativity Report. That shit sounds like important. That shit sounds important, man. Yeah, it's like, it's super important. It's super important for me. I love advertising. I love what I do. Uh, but like, it's not like, you know, like if I tell you to tell me like one famous advertising guy, you probably say Don, Don, Dra Don Draper and that's it. <laughs> right, right. It wasn't like a TV show. It's fictional. But there's like advertising, that the faces of advertising are not like famous outside advertising. Like it's, you know the people in the industry. Just like uh, uh, psychiatrists, like you're, like you know the famous psychiatrist i know freud <laughs> yeah that's and, it and that like, guy was a neurologist yeah like it's not like um it's not known mainstream so yes in advertising in the advertising world it is a big deal and it's an like an industry it's it's pretty like filled with egos so i try to sort of like detach myself and say like remind mm. myself like i'm just doing my job this advertising yes i can be a number one writer in the world and like that sort of like <laughs> humbles me and says like it's like it's just advertising like yes your dads are my dad and my parents my dad and my mom are they're proud of me and all that but and sort of like there's the pride of the country like bringing like putting Ecuador up there and 
because like none, I think there were like few Latinos that made the top 10, let alone like, um, like an Ecuadorian making the, the, the top 10 and the top one, like, you know, that was insane. And it was me and my partner, Ricky, that he made number two, a Brazilian made number one that year. Um, and, and it was pretty like amazing, like for us and for, for like the agency and for, for Ecuador, like, because we were making, like living up big mark at the, at the biggest stage for advertising. So kind of like the Olympics for athletes, like that was the shit, like we got the gold medal there. And, and that felt pretty fucking good, knowing that we were like breaking ground as Ecuadorians doing that, like always with that sort of like mindset. And I remember I went to pick up an award with a Guayabera on, and you know Guayabera being our <laughs> right. traditional shirt, like uh, formal shirt. Uh, from Ecuador, from and, and and I wore that to stage because I was like really fucking proud. We got our awards and I received them with, with the Guayabera. And, and like a couple of years later, when we did a, a talk, and I think all, we were also like one of the first, or if not the first Ecuadorians to give a talk at Canline because it's like a festival where they give awards and they also sort of like uh, they're speakers. And that year, I remember it was Shaquille O'Neal with Conan O'Brien, like Kim Kardashian, like there's big speakers. They bring like the big guns beyond advertising, like really famous people, not mm -hmm. advertising famous. And um, and it was pretty cool because we went up there with our client, with Fernando, and it was me and Ricky. And I, again, went with Aguayavera, and Ricky went with Ecuador's, uh, the national team, the soccer national team jersey to the stage. Yeah. And we're like super proud to be like giving a talk and uh, like, again, breaking ground, like pushing forward. And, and, and then we got a lot of messages from like up and coming uh, Ecuadorian creatives and people in advertising saying, man, so proud of you guys. And that's like really fucking cool. Like knowing that you're inspiring others to push it because and it happened to us. Like we didn't fucking believe that it could be done. Like it was so unachievable. It's like you, if I tell you like an Ecuadorian winning an Oscar, it's like, it's like you see it so far away, like almost yeah. unattainable. And then I remember it was uh, Eduardo Maruri and, and him, we were we were young lions, like we were in the student competition, and we won <laughs> representing Argentina because we were living and working in Argentina. So we participated. There was no in Ecuador; they didn't have they didn't have the student competition at that time, and so we, re we represent. We were Ecuadorians representing Argentina in the World Cup student World Cup of advertising in Cannes, representing Argentina, which was great. But that year it was 2012, I think. And Ecuador got its first lion in history as a country. And it was Amazing. a gold lion. And Maruri with Daniel Perez, a friend of ours, and he's now in, in Chile, like leading an agency. Amazing. Eduardo is now in London, like both great guys. They were up on stage with the Ecuadorian flag picking up a gold lion. That's fucking like an Ecuadorian wielding the golden medal. That was like fucking Jefferson Perez, which for <laughs> those who don't know Jefferson Perez, he's like the bride of Ecuador, like the first Ecuadorian to get a medal in the Olympics, like a gold medal. and and it was like, fuck, like, it can be done. And we were there, like first row, like just watching our flag up there. And we're like, it can be done, let's fucking go. And then we got like a Grand Prix and that also inspired like more people. And I love how that is like generation, like you show that it can be done and, and it gets done. <laughs> I was seeing, I don't know if you saw it, there's this documentary on Netflix about um, how Indian Americans became like the fucking rock stars of spelling bees. Oh, it's really? Because, yeah, yeah, it's fucking amazing. You watch the documentary, it's in Netflix. It's like spelling bee, I don't know what's the name of the thing, but 
it's like a guy for me like I'm, uh, a guy had uh, who was Indian American his parents were from India immigrated to the US and the guy was like I'm gonna do spelling bee he was great at it he became the spelling bee champion in the United States <laughs> and it's like the I can't remember the name of the award but he won and then all the like all other generations of kids from India were watching him and were like man this shit can be done and then they all focus on that and now out of like I think 80% of the winners or 90% of the winners are Indian American or, or Americans from Indian descent which is fucking amazing and it all started with a guy showing that it can be done which I think it's great and just like adding to that we think like it was really uh, like really amazing for me and for for Ricky my partner because like we're both from Ecuador we're like from the get-go doing this shit together that we love and we never even imagined like getting half as nearly as far as we got so so yeah it was pretty cool that's so like, cool man i'm proud of you i'm proud I, 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 when i was like fucking 14 years old getting drunk <laughs> in the beaches of ecuador <laughs> like three three dollar rum getting shit face on the beach i never like imagined phantom getting nearly like not half halfway as far as I got. I didn't I know. even know that I like advertising at that point. You didn't even know that you like psychiatry. You know, even though it was three dollar rum, it was good rum, man. And it was yeah, good time. Point, I don't I don't think my I liver could handle days. that level of rum anymore, but yeah, it was fun. And I think yeah, I was thinking about that as you were talking. Like you've always been this just like funny like just say whatever the fuck's in your mind at every single moment kind of guy. Like what is, if, if there was like a thing that you, that you would say took you from there to here, what was that? And, and I'm thinking like internal, like mental pattern almost. Like what is it that you think was the more important part that brought you here? So I would say, I think it's two things. Um, one, it's sort of like that, and yeah, I always, I, I, I always like joking around and like saying whatever the fuck was on my mind and, and sort of like had that inclination for storytelling and mm -hmm. just like telling stories, saying jokes, making people laugh. Mm -hmm. and, and like from that age, like at 14 or 13, we were like, we had like this handheld camera in, in Puerto Rico, Manaví. Right. And, and we were like making like this crappy, I think you were featured in one of them, this crappy like fucking uh, films. Like we were creating like films with our friends acting in them, they're us directing and oh, that's about true. ninjas and climbing yeah, yeah. the mountain and, and fighting <laughs> for the stick of truth before <laughs> South Park. Oh, I remember that. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like a sword, but it, it was supposed to be a sword, but it was just like a wooden, giant wooden stick and we would fight and we made up these stories and I love that shit. Like I love making up stories. Um, so I, I knew I had the, I liked it. That was the most important thing. I knew I had inclination for that. At first I thought I liked marketing more than I did like advertising because I didn't know the difference. Like, when you're like a 17, 16 year old, just, I was, in school just like okay i don't like numbers that much like i like numbers but i don't like numbers that much i like letters more i like reading more and and i have this thing that i like sort of like telling stories and and making people laugh um and at that point i think i wanted to be a politician or like a marketing guy so i could see you being both yeah no I, I like i like politics but i've always liked politics like my i you know my family like there's a lot of politicians in my family and and 
and I always like was close to the world and I liked it, but I felt and like your grandfather was, was like president, vice president, vice president, vice president. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, 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 I was very close to that, but I don't know, like it felt like it was <laughs> too intense. Like you almost like had to sacrifice a lot and, and the system was like a little fucked up. So you yeah, have to go and man. change it for the way you want it to, to be. So I think, so the two things, I think one, I had the inclination and two, I, I think I was always a very competitive guy. Like, and you know, my brother, like, yeah. we always were, comp I was always competing against him because he would beat me in everything. Like, he was better <laughs> at math. He was better at, like, fucking any sport. He was bigger and stronger. So he would always, like, if we fight, we would, like, he would beat me in a video game. I would try to fight him with my fists, <laughs> and he would beat the shit out of me. So I was, but I was, like, I had, like, that fucking, like, relentless competitiveness that I knew, like, if I put it to good use, it was gonna be like take me somewhere, and 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 in advertising, I found that I found uh, like like I told you, like there's a lot of like awards and competitions, and it's usually like competing. So it's I love that the thrill of competing. I love submitting and knowing if we're gonna win or not. Like and if we don't win, doing better and trying to win. Sort sort of like that ambition, that that constant need to win or to at least perform at the highest level that you want or that at the highest level that you can. So I think it's that thing that you, when, when you have, I have the inclination because I'm not sure, I'm not saying that you have, you're born, like people think that you're born with the natural talent to be a creative. I think that everyone's born creative and then you just have to build a craft and, and that's work. Like it's just the, and, and the only thing that takes you there is commitment and, and that fucking necessity because it's not like you want to, it's like you need like you that. You, you have to. Like, and now again, I was watching the, the Last Dance documentary from Jordan and I was like, fuck oh, man, the mind, like, I thought I was competitive. That guy is competitive. That guy is like, insane. He, like, he would die if he didn't win the fucking championship. Um, but I think it's that because I think, like, for example, Messi or Jordan, like these guys, they're naturally talented, but Jordan did baseball, of course, late in his career, but he was not good as, as, as good as he could. So I think to be like really good at, at something in life, that like you have to have the inclination, enjoy it, have the, at least some sort of like, I'm not saying gonna say talent, but like predisposition to practice it and to be good at it or some skills, basic skills to be good at it. And then it's all about your fucking will to win and to, to be the best at that shit. And, and I think that's sort of like the magic combination. It's, if Messi would have played baseball, I don't know where his career would have ended. He needed to have like that, at least like set of skills of being gifted for that shit. But then if he would be an accountant, accountant or like a psychiatrist, I don't know how good of a psychiatrist he would have been as, 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 he, as he is a soccer player, like best ever. So I think it's kind of like that combination. You need to have some sort of like inclination and enjoyment about it and talent then just the necessity to thrive and be the fucking best yeah man i a hundred percent agree with what you're saying right now and i can i feel like i i can relate in in some ways you know it, I, I was thinking i i agree i think everybody has creativity in them 
I think, and you tell me what, 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 what do you think? Because you're the expert in, in this field. And then, and then I'll tell you a little bit about how I, how I feel about what you said about ambition and inclination in terms of my life. But in terms of creativity, at least in terms of creativity when it comes to speaking, I think that one of the things that I love doing is speaking. Like that's part of the reason I'm doing the podcast because I, I just have a lot of fun talking and hearing, yeah. you know, like and you're having conversations and stuff like that. And I think something that I have discovered is that there comes a point that you can talk about the most random, hilarious shit if you allow yourself to just become this thing that says whatever comes to mind and it, you, you just become kind of silly and then like creative creativity comes. But before that happens, you have to like, you have you, has it ever happened when you're talking and then there's this thing that you're a little bit afraid of saying because, Oh, I don't know what this other person's going to think, or I don't know what the implications of saying these things are going to be. And then you just like, don't say it. But the moment you don't say it, you, cannot, you, you start inhibiting yourself to some extent. And as you inhibit yourself, you, you kind of like kill that creativity a little bit and, and the self-expression. And, and if you do the opposite and you say the thing that you're afraid of, like you start saying a, a ton of shit that you're afraid of and then you realize, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's okay. Nobody cares that much. And, and if they care, like you, you figure it out in that moment. And, and after you get rid of all these fears through your speech, then then like cool stuff starts coming. And then, and then you're talking about like this Burger King, like, or whatever, like creativity issue. I don't know. I think that that's how I see it in terms of conversations. Like, what, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I think, and there's a lot of topics inside that, but um, I think that, so yes, you have to have some, some sort of sense of confidence into what you're saying and to what you want to say. You also have to have freedom. Like that's, if you put barriers, it hurts the creative process. Um, and luckily for me, usually you don't have to riff. Like you don't have to just come, like I don't have to go to a client with, with, with nothing. I'm not a stand-up guy. Right. Right? I'm gonna go throw me a word and I'll deliver greatness to you. And I write, I, 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 write, shit down, I write shit down. Like I, I find an idea, I write it down. And then I write a thousand ideas and then I go through them. And see what's the best thing, the, the most creative thing, and the best thing for the client's business uh, regarding to the, what the client wants to say. So, and and a quick example there, there, it's we did like I don't know if you remember, you remember, but we did this idea of, uh, for net neutrality to try to uh, they were trying to repeal net neutrality a couple mm -hmm. of years ago here in the U.S. and we're like and we saw in a John Oliver episode like, he was like. He did one of those episodes when he was like all out against the the FCC, the Federal uh, Communications Committee, and mm -hmm. and he was like Ajit Pai was the chairman of that, and he was just going at him like you know you're not you're destroying him and mm -hmm. explaining why net neutrality had to prevail and and and, and sort of like he was going to Senate and Congress and they were gonna repeal net neutrality and they would like charge you more for streaming content as opposed to listening to music because it requires more data and they want to control the packages. Complicated explanations that I had to call back up my brother and have, and have me explain how it actually works. Because then we wanted to, we said, okay, we, we want Berkey to have a stand in this issue. And we're like, okay, it's dangerous because you're getting into kind of like a political space. 
Mm -hmm. So then we went and did some research and found that it was actually a bipartisan issue. Like Democrat, Republicans want, like, wanted the neutrality even more than Democrats. And it was like 89 to 85. Like, the numbers, like everyone was in favor of keeping the neutrality. They were just going to appeal it because they wanted to favor, I don't know, the big, the big internet service, service providers. Mm -hmm. And so with that data, we went and we said, okay, uh, we want to do something about it. We did the metaphor with burgers explaining how we, how the, how they would serve your burger if, mm -hmm. <laughs> if they delayed the process. And and after that, like we got like letters from the White House, and it was like crazy. Like we like they used that, that case as an example in the United, like a senator from the United States used that video as an explanation of look, guys, this is why it's clearly wrong what you guys are trying to do. So don't, um, which. It's pretty cool, but yes, that connects me to a second thing inside the question is that you said you're, you might be afraid to know, not say something that is in your mind. And I think fear, I have like this weird relationship with fear where if I feel fear of something, I get excited about it. And I think that it's the same fear like you have when, you remember when we would go, we used to go to the beach and we would jump off the cliff. Right. That feeling of fuck, I'm gonna die here if I jump in my skip. That fear, like that adrenaline rush, it's mm -hmm. the same thing I feel when I have like an idea that might be a slightly dangerous or might may, might get me in trouble. Like those are the ones that ah, that me and that we at the agency we enjoy the most. Like, it's like that sort of like if we're getting into trouble, it means we're stirring the pot. It means we're driving some sort of change, and that and that. It's exciting. Like, we always say that when we, whenever we have to talk with lawyers, like it means the idea is good because it might generate controversy and uh, controversy, and people might agree or disagree. And generating that debate and just putting that debate out there, and a big brand taking a stance and generating a debate and being part of the debate helps the bigger conversation, the mainstream conversation. Because it's not it's not it might just stay in the niche elite uh, gloves of intellectual people talking about. Uh, the neutrality or whatever topic uh, that you want to put in the public space in the, for like the public debate. So I think, yeah, I, for me, fear, like I, I love fear because whenever I feel fear, <laughs> it means that I'm heading in the right direction for me. So I just fucking go for it. Um, but yeah, I think that's like my approach to it. And then um, there like those sensitive topics. Like if you have, I think that, and I, I'm listening uh, to, and I just recently got into podcasts, so I love now being in a, I think this is my, I was once in an advertising pod, podcast, this is my second podcast, but it's my first like broad general public podcast, and I love it because I just started listening to Conor O'Brien, it's a friend, I don't, know yeah. if I don't know if you can plug in a podcast in another podcast, it's like podcastception, but, <laughs> um, but man, that podcast is amazing because Conan talks about that, like it's, and that and he's talking like as a comedian to other comedians sometimes to Michel Lamar, like all these things. He usually talks to comedians about where they, like how they handle, how, where their comedy comes from. And they talk about like those topics that you don't want to talk about, but sometimes then you have to have the right humor, but talking about something in a funny way or, or sort of like not making light of it, but if, if you start sort of like using your power in the comedy to put that topic into the spotlight, into the conversation, you're doing something amazing because people are gonna care and people are gonna talk about it. Um, so I think that's something pretty cool and, and just understanding how they get to that 
like I love that sort of like back process of understanding what's behind the thought process of these brilliant creative minds of humor or whatever else, like Jordan. <laughs> what what was in the back of his head when he wanted to win that fucking ring? Man, there's a lot of wisdom in what you're saying right now. Like you're you're that this way I like talking with you. This way I like talking with you. You know, what, you were, what you're speaking specifically about fear is something that I relate and this something that I live by and is something that I sometimes even teach my, talk about with my patients and, and even my friends, you know. I, that same thing that you're saying, when I'm afraid, I get excited. I, I don't necessarily get that excited, but I do know, like I... I I tend to use it in real time for my own kind of like self-development. And if I'm having a conversation with somebody that is very important to me, uh, like, uh, like it could be an argument or it could be like whatever, like, like it could, it can be a subtle thing about your values and who you are as a person. You know, you are defining yourself every moment of every day by the decisions that you make the pay, uh, and you're, you're either going, according to your values or against your values. And there's this constant struggle of the world around you trying to shift you into one specific direction. And this direction is like what's okay in, in whatever mainstream that we decided. The mainstream is very different depending on the society that you live by. But in general, like there's a, there's a sort of mainstream. And then there's the who you are as a person besides this uh, manufactured uh, mainstream accept, accepted personality that you should lead yourself by and every time you deviate from from that you're gonna have this little fear you're gonna you're gonna have this little fear in the middle of a conversation you may be like in a fancy dinner with a with a bunch of people that are like very thoughtful about what they say and then you come with this thing that may be controversial but it is part of who you are and it is what you're thinking and it is it, it is almost an extent it is an extension of your personality right like you you have an arm you have a brain and you have your thoughts and if this thought was triggered, I feel like I kind of have to say it. And it, it, like I can be nuanced about it and I can be thoughtful about the way that I say it so that it's, it doesn't come crashing and it can just like come like subtly and nicely. But I, I think that if I say it, I become congruent with who I am. And the more congruent that you are as a person, the more what ends up happening is that you create kind of like a little bit of controversy in, 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 not, not in your life necessarily, but you do polarize people around you, like inevitably, right? Like there are going to be some people yeah. that are going to be like, oh shit, everything you're saying, I really resonate with. And there's going to be some people that are going to be like, fuck you, what, what are you thinking? Go burn in hell. And, 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 and that's part of the fear. But then if, like, if you just go, you, just, you start becoming yourself. And the moment you become yourself, you're going to start enjoying your life a little bit more. You're going to start finding yourself surrounded by people that do the same thing that you do, or maybe don't do the same thing that you do, but, but, but really respect and really appreciate you being yourself, even if you, if you, even if you are very different. And that is life. I feel like that is life. And I feel like that what you were talking about in terms of using this fear as, as an expression of your work, it has to be a manifestation of your in, like day-to-day -day life as well. I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not, but maybe. It's tricky. It's tricky because in advertising, there's your work, the work that you do, the ideas that you put out there in the world and the effect they have. And then there's the person, you, the human being behind. Mm -hmm. 
uh, those ideas. So it's two different conversations. The first one about the work, it's like you are working for a brand. You are trying to, for that brand to be relevant in people's lives. So they choose the brand over another brand. And the only way that, that you do that, it's by what you were saying, like fighting like the mainstream, fighting what, like the status quo, the, the status quo, what a brand is supposed to do. A two for one promotion, a 50% discount, a coupon. That's what a brand is supposed to do. A brand is not supposed to get into fucking political debate about the neutrality or call out fucking the invasiveness of technology with like Google Home or- Oh, I love that Google Home ad that you did. That's hilarious. Yeah, so that was really fun. Like, because we were starting, like opening up the debate about how invasive technology can be. So a brand is not supposed to do that. But if it starts doing that, talking about things that people might care about, then people are gonna care about the brand. And and like at the end of the day, it's about attention, getting people's attention and, and caring. And right now, you're just competing against other ads and other brands. You're competing, and, and I think this is like the main conversation in advertising. Now you're competing for attention. Like people might choose to watch a Netflix show ads free, or they might choose to watch your fucking ad and share your ad on the internet because it stands for something and it means something, and they resonate to that with that and they agree with that, or they hate it and they say fuck this shit, I hate it, and then that generates a conversation because they're posting in their timelines and their their followers or their friends, whatever in the social media that there are, might agree or disagree and boom. Like, and, and that's only, you only do that with, I'm not gonna say con controversial things, but things like that either no brand has dared to, go, to do before or something that has never been done before. And that again comes with that fear. Like, how the fuck do I pull this off? If no one has ever done it, mm -hmm. I might fail horribly. But, and that, that makes me scared because if I, if, if I get a lawsuit from removal or whatever, I'm in big trouble. Uh, and so there's a fear, but I think that's sort of like the, the compass that's guiding, in, guiding me or, uh, or the people I work with when we create ideas. So that's on the idea side. And then on the personalized side, I think it gets, it goes back to that sort of like competitiveness. Like I have a clear point of view on many things in life and what I stand for politically, religiously, as a person, as my values and whatever. And and I'm competitive in that sense as well. Like I'm, and, and again, going back to the work, like in my work, we talk about ideas all day. Like my work, it's to come up with ideas and check ideas from our teams and sort of like help them, guide them to come up with, to, to turn their ideas in the best possible idea. Like to help them build it. And, and it's all always about why is it good or why is it bad and sort of like that process behind it, like the reasoning behind the arguments of why is it good or why is it bad. And you have to build your criteria for that. And I think that criteria, you, building your criteria means reading a lot, knowing a lot, seeing what has been done, seeing what has, like just having a vast knowledge about the thing that you're doing or about other things in life, like topics that people care about and then sensitivity to know what people I think that's a very very, very big thing that in advertising in particular sensing what people care about um, so that's in work but in life if we're talking about something and I think this is great about like the high school that we went to that that, that we went to that they sort of like challenge always were challenging us to fucking question everything question everything because when you question the status quo or you question the political system and you question everything you start 
sort of like poking holes and seeing where the holes in the arguments are. And, and I love doing that <laughs> with other people's arguments. I love doing that with my arguments to make them stronger. And when we're talking about politics or we're talking about any delicate subject that might hurt someone's feelings, mm-hmm. I'll just try to state my point of view and my arguments and facts in a way that uh, in that way that sounds convincing because also that's what I do for a living. Like I try to sell you an idea and I give you all the facts and numbers to support that idea. And it's maybe trying to convince you of something that you're not comfortable with or something that you don't really believe in, but and I have arguments to back that up and I have to convince you. So we're also salesmen. Like we have to, we also have to come up with great ideas. We have to sell those great ideas. And the only way you're going to sell them is by having solid arguments and solid data backing you up to support whatever you're saying. And I think that applies to, to the work and I think that applies to conversations in life. And I think that's all, it's also about like knowing your shit. <laughs> like you cannot right. go jump into a political debate without knowing shit. You're gonna get destroyed if you're talking with smart people. So you have to go prepared. You have that. So, okay, so I, I have many things to say about a lot of stuff. Uh, you brought up and I, and hopefully I'll remember it all. But for starters, you said something about competing against attention. And that made me think a, a little bit about the 15 minute, 15 second attention span of the general population nowadays. And then you, you have Instagram, you have TikTok and, and general social media. Like people are just going to listen to whatever 15 seconds of what you say, unless they have a, a a little bit of an expanded attention span or a little bit more interested in yourself as a person or the topic that you're talking about. And so I feel like things have become like ads in general have become like, like fast food, you know, like you eat French fries, you get this high dopamine spike. So you feel great. And then you get addicted to it and you want more. And it's kind of like that in this Instagram stories, right? Like you get this dopamine spike because there's an idea that is brought to you not necessarily very factual, not necessarily very based on reality. It's just like a, a plot, some like, like uh, a start, like it's, it stirs your emotion in a particular way so that you remember it. And it's kind of like the argument that you want to hear. So you kind of like that and you want more of that shit. And, and, the, and, and regardless of what argument, depending on your point of view, you get one ad, depending on the other point of view, another ad, like if, if we think in terms of politics, et cetera. And, and then you, you may be you may be able to you may know what I'm talking about like from like a, a very like a, from a copywriter level how to spike the emotions of the person in, in terms of like how to do a, an advertisement, but then you decide not to only do that you probably also do that but you on top of that you exploit that more subtle uh, more controversial idea behind it like that's an extra layer of intelligence and an extra layer of of like a personal touch to it, right? Like, I don't think Burger King will ever come and tell you, hey, what, why don't you do something about net neutrality? Or why, do you, why don't you go explode about the, infring- the potential infringement of your privacy uh, by, by, by all these like internet of things, right? Like, it, it, this is something you are thinking about that is very specific to your personality or the personality of the people that you're working with. And you add that to all these other ingredients. And I think that probably is the thing that makes you special. Now, I guess that, that wasn't a question. My question is though, like when you come to talk about values and stuff, how do you, cho- like, like do, you, do, you, do you have a, any relationship with, with your values as, as what's good and bad as a person and what 
companies do you decide to work with and things like that? So uh, to the to the first part, I don't think there's there's a formula. I think to what I was saying, like it's I think it's you have to have the sensitivity. To, okay. If you care about something, if I care about the neutrality, then most likely, I think it's not being like selfish, self-centered. If I'm seeing a John Oliver episode about the neutrality, it's because he cares, I care, and I, I care strongly. Okay. It's not that, I, it's like, eh, yeah, it's a, it's, I don't know, like, whatever, an article about things like that. No, this is neutrality, it's something that might affect my life and the lives yeah. of millions of people and people I love, and so let's do something. If I care deeply about it, then most likely a lot of people will care, care deeply about it. And you have the internet now. You can see in Reddit threads and in the internet people have opinions about it and, and feel strongly. And just having that sensitivity and the access to the internet to validate if what you're feeling and that sensitivity is right or wrong, that helps a lot, guide you to know if you're going to break through with, with that. Because you're right, the clients don't come and say, hey, we need to do something about this. You say, hi. I truly believe that your brand should take a stance on this because of this, this, and that, and because of what your brand stands for. So, and, and again, that helps you fight for attention because it's not like people are going to go looking for your ads. You have to make ads that people are going to care about and then they're going to share them and sort of like mm -hmm. the process goes from there. Um, but uh, to, to the, the second point, um, wait, I lost the word. Yeah, I, I think I, I was mentioning, I think that it, it is just recently that you are now, you're now leading your own companies, that right? Like got... Yeah. Yeah, so I guess that this is, I don't know if it, it applies to you just yet, but I was wondering, in terms, like you have a very specific set of values as an individual and in terms of what do you think you want to uh, bring to yourself and the world or whatever. And do you have... A, like, does that relate to, to which companies the, that you work with? Yeah, I think that, like, like there's, like, things that I wouldn't like to, like, brands or, or industries that I wouldn't like to work on. Uh -huh. I don't know, like, tobacco industry. I wouldn't like to work on tobacco or, mm -hmm. on like, uh, like, cigarettes or things like that. Um, and, and, of course, like, that's personal values of what I believe or not believe in. Um, but then like brands, like, I don't know, we're working for a lot of brands now and the, the beauty of advertising and being like a partner to the brands and not just like a provider of ideas, but like a true partner, a partner in the sense that I care about your business and your brand and I'm going to help you thrive. And, and then doing, using the power that the brand gives you to change that brand or help that brand go in the right direction where it adds something. And I think there's a great example that we did recently. Like, and this was a brand that was already amazing and that we loved. And it was it's Headspace, which you might know. It's the oh, I saw that. I you know what? Yeah. Not only did I see that, I actually recommended it to my patients. Like, is that, yeah, is, was amazing. that your idea? So yeah, like they were, <sighs> they, had, they had this thing where like they were doing a pitch and and they, they were looking, for, they, they wanted to do something, especially like something now, like during COVID when like shit's going down, people need to take, take care of their minds and their mental health more than ever. And so we told them, like they were like, what do we do? And we told them, look, what we think you should do as an agency, and this might sound crazy, 
but listen, just listen to us for a second. Um, we think that you should give it for free to every person that lost their jobs in America because the person, the, the people that need it the most now, today, it's a 30 million or at uh, that point there were 15 or 20, but then it got to 30 when we launched. Like the 20 millions of Americans that right now lost their jobs because of the pandemic that feel like helpless or that lost their like their, their whatever their their income their, their stability their life stability like they need it they're yes of course they're not gonna get their jobs back because they use headspace but it's gonna help them to get to a very me like mental space and to a very like help their ment their their focus and their mental health to get back on their feet and once they get back on their feet they're gonna be able to go out search for a new job and and start start again, um, and that meant like they had the Headspace had never done a uh, TV commercial before. They, it was like word of mouth and 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 like social media and things like that. But they had never done like a big campaign, like a big television commercial before. And and we told them, okay, <laughs> we're gonna do this. It's gonna be the Headspace promise. And they had like a lot of commitments that they were doing. Like they were giving it for free for New Yorkers because in New York you hit really bad at the beginning and. And for healthcare providers, like it was yeah, I got it. amazing things, but we were like, let's fucking push it. Let's push it to the limit where 30 million people are going to be able to get it for free because they need it now. And it's going to get generate a long-term connection with your brand. People are going to be like, you were there for me when I was down. Now that I got a fucking amazing job, I'm going to pay you the highest subscription that you have. Um, or, and and they said yes, that's the right thing to. It doesn't make like it doesn't necessarily it's not the best business decision, but it's the best human decision. It's the best the consciously decision for the world that we could do right now. And they went for it, and it was an amazing project to work on. Uh, we created like the commitment that was ahead of promise. We offered for free as a as a sort of like um uh, it was a honor system where you you had to say that you were unemployed. You didn't have to prove it. And, and sort of like that meant that people who were able to afford it knew that they were supporting people who couldn't. And that's also good because if you are a paying subscriber, you know that you're supporting people who cannot afford it. And that also makes you feel good as a human because you're helping people. Um, so that was like a great way of like getting a brand and helping them move in the right direction to do what's, what we felt was right for the world and making a real difference in the world. And then of course, like it was a massive hit success. Like people were talking about it and how amazing it was for a brand like that to be doing something as big as that. Um, and that's like beauty of Brian Burking and making these statements about things that people care about. Like you can have use that power that you have for guiding brands or helping brands go in the right direction and, and have that big impact or that big influence in the world. So um, you cannot always do that, but when you can, it feels fucking amazing. Like, um, when you can, when you can use your ideas to, to not just for good, but to, to build a, a brand that, that is moving the economy and that is uh, providing jobs and, and on top of that, doing good things for humanity, like, with, like as, as dumb as, as it sounds or as crazy as it sounds, with Popeyes, we were giving out free Netflix passwords at the beginning of the pandemic with every order of fried chicken so that you would stay in your house watching, binge watching Netflix and we would give out like free Netflix messages. You stay at home, watch, binge watch whatever you want, eat chicken, stay inside, don't go out. <laughs> and like things like that, every little thing, like if with that, we managed to get like 
hire people to stay home, that lower the growth. And for that, for, for us, that meant a lot. Dude, you are an activist. You're an activist that uses advertisement as a way to improve the world in, in, according to your views. Or, or, or either to raise awareness or to make a difference if you can. I, I know that you don't do it like every single time in every single ad that you do, but, but you have your mind in that direction. You're able to see what is needed. In, and, and you have to be good at pitching these ideas, right? Like, like it, it is not usual to, to say to somebody, oh, let's, make, let, let's give 30 million people a free subscription for Headspace. And let me tell you, so this is a small world. Let me, let me tell you, like you, you, this idea that you came up with has for sure reached a lot of people that needed it. I know several patients and, and I have, and, and I know some, some of them patients, some of them not, some of them not patients, some of them friends that, that have been, uh, that have struggled with, with COVID significantly to the point that they have become unemployed. And that has brought anxiety to these people and, 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 and fear of losing their jobs or if they're, they have, or, or maybe they lost their jobs or maybe they're trying to find a job and then they're getting this like a anxiety or am I going to lose my job? Like, like all these things. And then they're getting the, into these mental loops of anxiety that prevent them from being the best, the best person they can. And, and, and by that actually making that even more difficult for them to get a job or for them to like get that this next best opportunity. And then comes, mindfulness, bringing yourself to the present moment, just like, oh my God, just like focus on your breath. Don't focus on the future. Don't focus on the past, be in the moment, like do the thing that you need to do right now. What is the right action in this moment? And then in that moment, and in that moment, and then focus your attention in the right direction. That's what Headspace does, helps you do that. And I have certainly recommend, the moment I saw, I saw it on an Instagram post, whenever that happened from them. I got it initially where, because I, I'm in New York and, and, and I was working a lot with COVID patients. So I, I saw that it was free for medical providers. So I got it for myself. And then I saw that it was just free for every, everybody that was unemployed. So I started recommending it to, to all my patients that, that were unemployed. So thank you, bro. Thank you for that. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Wait, it's just like, like you're just trying to add our like little grain of of help and, and and I think like it's all caring like when you like when you care about people people care about you so like now I, I bet that all those people that got it they care much more about and have a deeper connection with this brand that they used to have before because it was there for them in a moment of need so you, you create like brands almost become like uh, your friends or like this sort of like personality i'm not gonna say person but it's like a personality that you feel an attachment uh, or some some sort some, of some sort of attachment to so i think that's that's really cool um and again like in a, such an important topic like mental health that i think it's like now more than ever uh in the spot that we need to keep on start like generating conversations around it and getting people to care more about it and and course get me more people to use headspace but because it's good for them not just because it's a brand or it's a company but because it's actually it's that this is a brand that that helps you like that helps you use like be okay in your own mind which it's like one of the toughest challenges in life wow that's amazing man yeah 
Thank you, bro. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. <laughs> but again, so, we're doing ads. <laughs> so let me ask you something. You, yeah, you're having fun. You're doing ads, but I am seeing this pattern of you, of you really being an activist and really trying to like do the best you can with what you have. And, and what you have is being very passionate and influential through the brands that you're working with and, and making them like, it's like a, like a win, 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 win situation, right? Like, it, like the brands are winning because they're getting recognition and they're getting recognition by doing the right thing. And that will get them yeah. more business in the long term. Then you are, yeah. you are getting more business because you're making them more famous and making them good business. And then this, this becomes a, like an upward spiral of just like productivity and activism and just like leading business into the right place. Like, like, making money and, 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 and doesn't have to be evil, right? Like there is, this, there is this convention that the more money you have, the more evil you are as a person. If you're a billionaire, you have to be an asshole. And I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I, I think that you can actually be a person that provides a lot of value to a community. And because of the value that you're providing, you're, you're doing very well yourself. Yeah. I think it, it's it's about that. Like, I, I yes, I love uh, I love advertising and I love doing ads. Doesn't matter if it's whatever I'm doing an ad for. I think when we do something that 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 helps people, of course, it feels better. Um, like one of like the, the the first ad, like the first lion that we got, lion being a can lion, like the, the award, this award show, it was for. Uh, breast cancer awareness uh, campaign and beyond the award like we found out that actually like uh, a woman found a lump because she saw the video and she did a self-examination exam and she found it and then she went and and that helped her like that helped save her life and then you like that's sort of like the moment where you're like fuck <laughs> we're like fuck our ideas can can like can mean something can have effects on the world and can even go to the extent of saving a, like a life which is mm -hmm. powerful um but and i think that's the beauty of, of advertising that we're like training our brains to come up with ideas and you have to sort of like yeah like again build that sensitivity to know what ideas will resonate with people would talk to people would like touch people's hearts and and that means yeah like sensing that what, what they would like care about and then executing it in a way that that they have never seen before or that it's unexpected or that sounds crazy like giving it for free to, to every unemployed person in America which, yes business wise it's crazy but it builds a really really strong brand um, or with like Popeye said yes we, we are it's a we have to sell fried chicken but uh, and we're doing it but we're building uh, a strong brand not just by creating all this equity behind the quality of the product, but also what the brand is doing. And again, it's a New Orleans brand. We did a, a New Orleans strong campaign to support New Orleans during the pandemic and and like sort of like helping like with together with the brand doing what we think is right, which is giving back, helping and and doing doing some good. Um, which yes, always, always like you're gonna you're gonna like this one. We did this thing in New Orleans uh, that you know that there's a lot of street musicians in New, in New Orleans because it's like the capital of jazz and people are playing music in the streets and it's amazing. 
but in the pandemic, there was no one in the streets. So musicians had no income. And with Popeyes, what we did was like, okay, we're like a New Orleans brand, a Louisiana brand. We're gonna give them a gig, a venue to play at. And because all the venues are closed, the venue is gonna be our radio ads. So we, we allow musicians out of work, New Orleans, and then we open it up to the US. It's already New Orleans, like New Orleans musicians to submit the jingle from Popeyes. Like they could record it with like a guitar or a, or a saxophone or whatever instrument they play. They could record the, the jingle from Popeyes, which is like, love that chicken from Popeyes. And then we recorded with whatever instrument they had. They submitted it and then we, we bought the rights, like we bought the song from them. And well, we bought it, we rented it and paid them royalties on their jingle to support them, to give them an income while they cannot support themselves playing on the streets. So we turned our radios into sort of like this venue for out of work musicians. And yes, you can say, yeah, yeah, it's like musicians, but it makes sense for the brand. It's right. a brand that has a heritage in the city, in this culture. And jazz is very important to this city, in this culture. So we're supporting that because it means a lot for the brand and it means a lot for the people of New Orleans. So keeping that community alive, you're keeping the spirit alive you're keeping like sort of like the, the spirit of the city alive. and that that's pretty that that was pretty cool like it's always about finding those ways to do things that people care and and making it like the most relevant way that you can i like it and i like jazz so thank you for that too jazz is pretty cool yeah and i like i'm gonna send you some of the links to the songs that are, they're pretty cool like because they made it their own. Like there was no guide. Like this is like we polished the we, we like open source or polish the, the notes to the jingle so that anyone knew like uh, the, the musical notes on how to play it. Uh-huh. And then anyone could do could do it. Like they could reinvent it, they could change the lyrics, they could play it with, with just drums, with just guitar, with however they want. And, and like, oh, that's, that's cool because they, that that starts generating like more content around like the brand and that's Pretty cool, and beyond that, yes, you're supporting it. So, again, like pretty cool, a pretty cool thing that we could do uh, to support. And I think like that's in these times of need, it's when brands are stepping like, and the, the the things that we do are like stepping up more and and doing fun things. And and I think at this point, like, we got to a point where like we also want to give people a break from the sadness or like the the chaos that it's you turn the tv and it's all like bad news and horrible mm-hmm. things and covid and the, the the curve is going or whatever like bad news you see there and making people laugh again and giving people some entertainment uh so yesterday and this so this happened yesterday like the latest campaign that we proposed was we just because i think for every brand that we work on we did something to help people during covid because that what that, that that like brands needed to do that needed to be there for their 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 guests like their consumers, so that they knew that the consumers knew that the brands were there for them. But now like with this thing where it's at least we have at least you have at least we have the chicken sandwich which is the Popeyes iconic product, uh, and we did the ball drop in New York City. If you go to Times Square, uh, you're gonna see that where the the countdown is, mm-hmm. it's a countdown. To 2021 and it's like 130 days uh 28 hours and uh, oh, seconds to go to 2021 because we want this year to be over um and and it's a campaign like you get like bubble season or like sports canceled at least you still have a sandwich 
and it's funny. It's like, it, it makes you smile. Like, it's like, yeah, it, it's shitty, but I can still eat a chicken sandwich and at least get some comfort in that. And the fact that I can eat a, eat a, eat a chicken sandwich and, and, and have that. So it's kind of like, yeah, that's not like a, it's not doing good in the traditional way of doing good. It's like just giving, putting a smile, and a smile on people's face. Uh, and, and that like feels also, it's like pretty cool. Yeah, and I think, you know, changing the emotions of a person that is feeling sad to, to a smile, I, I like that. that. That is something that I certainly try to do with myself most of the time that I'm feeling down. Yeah. And, and I think it's an art to do it. And, you know, when, when it comes to mental states, I, I, I do, I'm, I am in the belief that emotions can, can be changed through 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 just like you you, you st- different ways okay but if you like for example you start looking at yourself in the mirror and you start smiling you're gonna feel like at the beginning it's gonna be kind of weird but then you're gonna like start smiling and feeling great it is a it's a sense of like changing these things and and if you if you spend like 17 minutes smiling in, in, in every 24 hours it's not a lot, but it's better than 16 minutes, right? Like, and then, and then if you do a little bit of that, okay, like in terms of like magnet, objective, tangi- tangible change in outcomes, maybe not that much, but it's still pretty important, I think. And good emotions bring you to good actions and good actions bring you to change. So I think that's a really cool thing. I think so. Yeah, um, I think that's the core, the essence of advertising. What we do is making people feel something, either smile, either cry if you have like a really emotional execution or feel good or, or feel this bond with the brand. It's like gratefulness. Mm-hmm. And, and whenever you get to that, and it's really hard, like I think that the, the problem is that there's a lot of advertising that is not good and, and that it's not creating those emotions. It's just doing the same old trick the get your two for one, get your coupon, mm. do this and do that. Uh, and then the majority, the majority of ads are like that or like just you've seen that a thousand times like if you see pharmaceutical ads they're usually the same like it's the same thing symptoms may include and this is what you get like that's it and so and there's a lot of categories that have those same tropes and cliches when doing ads uh so breaking away from that to make a meaningful connection in a way either by making people smile or making people care about a topic you're or connecting with something they care about or uh, making them cry, making them whatever emotion. If you generate an emotion in a person that a positive, not necessarily crying, crying can be positive. If it makes you feel like, I don't know, I need to call my mom now because the right. ad made you feel, feel that. And, and if, if the ad made, makes you feel something, it's going to generate an emotional connection with the brand. And that's how a brand differentiates itself. From the competition and then you get into yeah that's what keeps the market moving and that's what keeps the economy flowing and then you get into the more emo- uh, economical world economical sort of aspect of it where yes it's advertising but it's one of the things that keeps the economy moving uh, and creativity as a key factor in that economic growth uh, because it's it's doing ideas for the sake of, of building brands which drives business and, and doing things that, have, that haven't been done before and that cha- constant challenge of okay let's try to do something that hasn't been done before which 
gets harder and harder because every day more and more things get done. So mm. I think that's the that, that's the biggest trouble in Netherlands. We have over a hundred years or hundreds of years of advertising, and every year there's more ads and there's more explored ground. So it's it gets sort of like it's a bigger challenge, which I like, but it's a bigger challenge to do something that hasn't been done before. You usually get to a point where like you, you're seeing ideas and you're like, yeah, but this they already did like three years ago, or this they it has been done. And, you're always in that pursuit of the new, of the, of the, of the thing that no one thought of, the thing that no one dared to create, and you want to create that, because that's what ends up being groundbreaking. Uh, that that sense of novelty, of like shit, I have I haven't seen this before. This is pretty cool, and and that makes people think the same thing. Like I haven't seen anything like this before. I want to share this. I think this is pretty cool. And in order to do that, you, you kind of have to yourself start thinking a little bit than you thought before, right? Like you have to be open to something that you haven't thought before. How, how do you do that? Yeah, because there's no formula. Like, right. It's like you have to have a constant open mind to uh -huh. new ideas. Like that's new ideas are where, what we live, uh, like what, what we base our bills, like what we sell i'm not gonna sell you an old idea that right, you can get a like there's hundreds and thousands of advertising agencies out there and all of them can do a two for one or a 50 percent discount or a coupon like i think the, the added value is i'm gonna give you something that hasn't been done before or that at least we haven't seen that has been done before um and that's creativity creating something new because if not it's kind of like duplicativity or copyativity which is <laughs> copying our copying our program it's about creation right. about adding like creating something that something new something that that mm -hmm. that you haven't like you haven't seen something that hasn't been done and and i think that's a, that's that people are drawn to that to that novelty of of, of newness of i like like, sort of, like people like new things like things that that shock them or or like make make you thinking of in any way. So, yeah, like if if I were, if I were close-minded, like I would I couldn't work on this business. You have to always keep your mind open to seeing things in a different way. Like how like the brief is the same. Like well, not the same, but the brief is okay. We need to drive this business. We need to sell more of whatever we're selling. How do we sell it? There there have like this have, this same product has been sold. The, in a hundred million different ways for the past hundred years. How do we sell it in a new way? <laughs> That's a challenge. And then you have to find a, a fresh way, a fresh uh, approach and a fresh idea after that approach. So, and that, that's pretty exciting as well because you go into the office every day and you, and, and I think I, that's why I feel so lucky and blessed to <laughs> work in something like this and sometimes it's something I really love. We go in there to talk about ideas. And it's ideas that haven't like new ideas, fresh ideas, cool ideas, funny ideas, emotional ideas, ideas that people care about. And, and it's trying to find the best ones and then figuring the fuck out how to make them happen because that's the, the, like, the other challenge. Like, does this idea scare us? Like, we feel a little bit of fear when we see it, when we talk about it. Yes. Okay, let's talk to others to see if we can do it. 
fuck, no, okay, let's find a loophole around it. Let's try to find a way to make it happen. <laughs> and then it's okay. Then how do we produce it? Like, how do we actually make it? Because when you are doing something that hasn't been done before, there's no, there's no instruction manual. There's not a fucking Lego that you get like a step-by-step guide on how to do it because mm-hmm. it hasn't been done. Like the, the, the Google Home thing. Like we needed to see if the, the thing triggered the device. And how the fuck do we make that happen? And they developed us and we had to, to change the audio. And that was on the flight. Like it's, and there was no, no manual because no one had done something like that. So that's, I think that's a beauty. It's like, okay, let's, let's figure this out. Let's see how, how to pull it off and, and let's try to create it and put it out there. And then launch day, which is the best day because then you see how people react to your idea. And now with the internet, you get that immediately. It's like an instant sense of did it work or did it not work? Mm-hmm. Are you getting mashable to write your idea about your idea for free or the New York Times or whatever? And I think that was one of the coolest things that happened. Like earlier this year, I got an interview with the, with the Wall Street Journal with the, sorry, with the, with the, yeah, the Wall Street Journal, because, which is like one of the fucking biggest publications ever, because uh, they, we did this idea about Popeyes that was, Beyonce launched a new collection with Adidas that was called Ivy Park, how many you saw it? And it looked like the color palette, it was maroon and, and brown, and it had the same colors and Popeyes uniform. And we're like, and someone pointed out on Twitter, like people, people, a lot of people started like recognizing the, the similarities between Beyonce's collection and Popeye's uniforms. And they were like, a bunch of people on Twitter say, hey, it looks the same. And we're like, yeah, it does look the same. <laughs> and we, we built a, a website in like under five days, an e-commerce website with shopability functions that you could buy shit to just sell Popeye's uniforms to people. Because of, <laughs> of course, Beyonce's Adidas collection sold out in like 24 hours. And then five days later, Popeyes comes out with this fashion line. That it's not a fashion line, it's just the uniforms that people wear in our restaurants. And, <laughs> and we're like, okay, we're just buying from the provider that sells us the uniforms that we give our employees and, and, and sell it to the public. It sold out three times in like oh my 48 God. hours. We sold $30,000 in Popeyes uniforms that we then donated them <laughs> uh, to, uh, to Popeyes Foundation, like a non for profit. Uh, but we sold. $30,000 of people just wanting to buy because we, we did the, for the fashion photo shoot, recreating like the poses and the style from Beyonce's photo shoot. So you had like the same like fashion, like just, and just, it's just, just seeing the uniforms in a new light. Why can't our Popeye's uniforms be fashion? Who says what's fashion? And then the Wall Street Journal interview, they were like, they wanted to talk with someone from the agency and they're like, okay, I'll talk with them. And there was this reporter asking, like, are you, like, what, like, what do you think, like, this is doing to fashion? Like, what's, is this a statement about what fashion is and what fashion can be? And like, yeah, man, like, you see, you know, what Kanye West is doing with fashion and what, like, fashion designers are always reinventing what fashion is, what fashion can be. And we're just, like, why can't Popeye's uniforms be fashion? Like, who says what's fashion? Is it your fashion week or whatever? No. If people are paying $30,000 to buy Popeye's, and then they were reselling them on eBay. We were selling for at cost, like 20 bucks, 30 bucks. People were reselling them a hundred bucks on eBay because now it's a thing. Like the Popeye's uniforms were cool. Mm-hmm. And it was just a purple seller with the Popeye's logo. People were paying us to wear the Popeye's logo. It's great. It was crazy. But like I was on the Wall Street Journal having an interview about <laughs> redefining what fashion is. And I don't know shit about fashion. Like, <laughs> I, like <laughs> I don't think of myself as a fashionable 
guy. Um, but it was yeah, you're like crazy. a shirt and, a, and a, the same shirt every day, or like jeans or something, like a short. Yeah, no, I yeah, I wear like <laughs> I wear sneakers and pants and and a shirt, mm -hmm. and that time Guayabera some days <laughs> when when we go to pick up an award or something, <laughs> but. But yeah, like it, it's pretty cool that like you can. Like that's oh, that's also a beautiful. I can get into technology with Wuhan. I can get into politics with with Birkin. I can get into fucking fashion with Popeyes. I can get into like I feel like the coolest thing about advertising is you can you become almost like a not an expert, but you you get to touch all these other industries and all these other art forms like the the bot thing. We got to play with a brilliant comedian and got to at least sense how algorithms work because we needed to get a sense of it uh we get to know to understand like uh neutrality we get to understand technology and and how audio works with the the, the home device we get to play with fashion we get to play we get to to get into a world of, of mental health and do something about it like we can like the, the world the worlds are playful and, and you can do anything <laughs> uh and as long as it's relevant for the brand, like music, you can get into like uh, musicians that, and speaking to musicians and giving them your, your your jingle to play. And and I think that's what what I love about it is that it's always like this. Every day is like this exploration of okay, where are we heading today? Where are we going? What 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 industry, other industry, we're gonna get into and and try to like shake up. And and that's like really really. Cool and exciting going into your everyday work like that, like where you're gonna basically get to explore the world. It sounds exciting. It sounds like you, you will never get bored of this. Yeah, never. Like, <laughs> no way. Um, and I think, like, yeah, once you, like, now I'm like in an, an executive of the company, if you will. Uh, and and you get more of the executive. Like before I was traveling a lot, I was in meetings, I was like uh, with clients in planning and and you lose, well, you like, it's like you're spending a lot of time doing that, but then that's before when you're a creative, like at creative team, a copywriter with an art director, uh, you almost like out of all the hours you work, like, 90% of your time, 80% of your time, it's thinking on ideas, like sitting down, writing whatever the fuck pops up in your head, trying to find a different angle or a new way to, to come up with an idea, like coming up with ideas in different ways and all that. And that's like amazing. And that's something that we still do because that's what we love doing it and we're never going to stop. So we're doing it on the plane, we're doing it on meetings. Like, like now, me and Ricardo, my partner, on meetings, we're like slacking each other, texting each other with ideas as we are hearing the brief and things like that. So. Uh, like, I feel like that the other part was more fun. I still enjoy this a lot because I love like building client relationships. I, I love like that, those interactions and, and also like selling ideas, like helping the creative teams, like guiding them and nurturing them, like help, helping them grow and thrive. That's also like a completely different world and it's amazing. Um, and and again like i'm learning every day like i'm learning how to deal how to manage people how to manage like uh emotions uh and and, and it's fun it's a i'm learning a whole new skill set and, and applying it as, as as we go and grow but as long as we are in the world and the business of ideas i think i'm never gonna get bored because uh, that's the beauty it's like 
and I like a great idea. I think like the thing that I whenever I hear a great idea, it makes me feel that thing. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's not fear, but usually it's fear. Uh, that it makes me feel alive. Like fuck yeah, let's yeah. let's make the world. Let's fucking see. Let's put this out there and see what the fuck it does in the world. Like what conversations it starts. Let's see if people hate it. If people love it. Like let's just put it out there. And that excitement, it's amazing. Like when you come up with the idea, when a team tells you the idea, and then when you put it out in the world and you see people react, like those two moments are amazing. Can you get a lot of those, uh, hopefully, well, ideally, when you're doing things right, you get a lot of those every year or every month uh, if you're putting constantly campaigns out there. So uh, it's a, I cannot complain. I, I think it's a pretty cool gig uh, that, that, yeah, it's, it's not as mainstream. Like, I think Mad Men put in the mainstream a little bit, but, mm-hmm. but it's, it's pretty fucking fun. And what's next? Like, what, what are you going to do now? Like, now you're in this executive role. So you climb the ladder, like, to the, to the last step. I don't know that. Wow. Oh, you, you want to win an Emmy. How do you win an Emmy? So there's a couple. I could do a, a TV show. Okay. Uh, which I'm, I don't think I'm equipped <laughs> as of now to do it. Uh, like, I would need to learn to write for TV and all that. But uh, there's an, actually an... an Emmy for outstanding commercial mm. that they give one a year. So that's really tough to win. Like you send your commercials and where they pick like five and then you get invited to the Emmys to receive the award. If you're nominated, you still get invited if you don't win. But um, we want to win one. Uh, so that, and then there's like, the, there, there's a primetime Emmys. There's a, a daytime Emmys. There's like, um, usually for shows, actors, and all that, but there's like the one for the commercials, and then there's others for like broadcasts and other things. So I think that we can find our way to like winning an Emmy, and or like even creating a show. Like we said, we're gonna create an animated show. There's an Emmy for animated series. We can create okay. an animated series or an acting series. I don't know. Like I think that's the beauty of advertising. Like it gets a lot of into entertainment, entertainment, and now like brands are going into that creating shows and creating series and I don't know like if you remember Castaway that was like a big commercial for FedEx and the one Castaway like, with Tom Hanks with Tom Hanks yeah. that was like just one big FedEx ad. and <laughs> and like he won awards and all that and that's I think the amazing thing like you can come up with a movie and if you do it and if it's well done it's great you're gonna like that you're gonna get that but yeah I think that's like the ambition is okay and Emmy then Let's get an Oscar. Let's fucking build the best age in the world. Let's start winning beyond advertising. Like, uh, things like that. I guess that the next thing after you dominate the world of advertisement, you could start a cult. I think you could do that. A cult? Like a religious yeah. cult? Yeah. Yeah. Like you could start a cult. Like you, you already know how to how to bring the, the, the emotions to people to, do, to become their best selves. So you just become like a new age Jesus, let your hair grow a little bit longer, and you tell them they can be the best person they can be, and, and that's it, and that's it. And then you won life, like literally. You, you become the next. But like, do you really, like, <laughs> do you, like, I don't know, like, I feel like I've been watching a lot of shows and cults usually don't end up well. Like, they, it's usually like correct. a... Uh, they have horrible endings, so um, I'm fine in advertising for now. Um, mm. And I think I really like it too much to to, to quit it. Like uh, I would miss it too much. I would come back because yes, I also want to like write. I want to write eventually. Like it's not like I love advertising more than I love like 
writing now. Um, and I mm-hmm. probably want to remain the same. Whenever I have some more free time, I will probably start writing like a, a short stories or a novel or whatever, a TV show maybe, I don't know. Uh, but I think that's the beauty of pre, like, the, like being in a creative industry or training your brain to, to be creative, to write things, write ideas, write scripts, write dialogue, write whatever fuck you're writing and that you can expand your writing to other things. Uh, well, music I couldn't write because I'm hard, I'm like, I, I really bad music. <laughs> you probably know that. <laughs> Runs in the family. Uh, but, I remember we made a song one day. Um, like, uh, it was a rum song. Do you remember that? It was a- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We made, it was not just a rum song, it was a music video. Uh, it was for a class. We had this, I was in college. And we had to like the the, the ode the ode to rum the ode to rum yeah it's yeah. On, it's on the YouTube you can look it up it's the ode <laughs> to rum that, well it's in Spanish it's all around, but but um, I, I think I have it in which I'll I'll send it to you I'll try to yeah find yeah it I'll look it up on YouTube I, maybe um, I'll add it as in the description of this episode that'd be hilarious yeah. <laughs> the beauty of that was okay they told us uh, you have to make a music video what's the like, fuck and at that time we were playing World of Warcraft a lot. And I recently started playing again, which is pretty cool. Um, but um, which how you you may that, you may lose your life again if you do that. Yeah, that's a problem. You have to be careful with that game. Uh, so I was, I did like I I was like I'm not gonna shoot a music video. I'm playing this game. I can film the screen and record this music video here. There's a pirate ship there. We can all drink this potion that turns everyone to pirates. So I called you, my brother, and my cousin, and then some friends, and I bought po- potions in the auction house, the potion that turns you into pirate. And I, I hand potions to all of you to tell you, I told you, okay, drink the potions. And I, I, I directed the video. So I said, okay, now you guys run up the plank and jump into the water. And then you all did that. And I recorded from my screen. It was pretty fun. I, found, I made a guy throw up in one of the buckets in the, in the pirate ship. And we were like kind of part in the pirate ship, fighting in the pirate ship, like jumping on. It was really fun. But see, like that's, like, that's, creativity like I, I was kind of like directing a music video on a game um and then we wrote the lyrics that was pretty fucking funny and you, you sang the song which was great it was a it's, it's a really funny song oh that was hilarious i completely forgot about it. the good old days playing <laughs> whoa drinking rum oh my god well i i still drink rum every once in a while you know oh yeah i, I love rum oh so tell me something you're in miami right now how how often do you go to the beach? Uh, not as often as I, 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 I wished. Um, with COVID now, of course, it's like impossible. But, um, Is it like you're, that, you're not allowed to go to the beach well, right now? They're closing some of the beach. They're opening some, but I don't know what's the deal now. So I'd rather just mm-hmm. not go. Um, but I think I will go like once every, depending on the year, like once every three months, once every like, months and if it's summer like you go a little more often like once a month but yeah i should go more i should yeah. enjoy the beach more yeah man and, and we should definitely have a, a, a puerto rico reunion man yeah for sure every year every year we should do that december oh. go drink rum yeah, sing man. songs in the, in the fireplace oh yeah i miss those that. were the days yeah, yeah. i still Google. do a little bit of, you know what we oh i still I still have a doodle with he, with me right now. I, I played with here, right here. We could play. Oh, we maybe we can do over soon. I do like a world championship, supreme oh, champion, supreme. We should do that. I'm gonna ask Paolo to do that too, and and Eduardo and Jota. Okay, it's yeah. happening. 
champion supreme champion that was the thing the, 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 yeah like the heavyweight the champion, the champion the supreme champion yeah all right, what? But you have to be like you have to be like super honest because you have to show your diet. Your oh, diet that's true. Time, so. Well, I guess that we could move the, the the thing. Yeah, you have to point. You have to point at the diet every time. Yeah. But that, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good game. It, it it's a lot of like and like psychoanalysis of who the fuck is lying and who's not. Right. It's called liar's diet in English, actually. Yeah, I know. I just found that out when I moved here. Okay, so like, I, I read. I read a little bit about liar's diet, and I read specifically that. I don't know if it was created by pirates, uh, the, the, yeah. the, the colonizers, or if it was created by the native, in, like the indigenous South Americans. Do you know the story? I don't, but what I, what I think I read at some point, I forgot, it was, uh, was kind of like a pirate scheme because they, yeah. and, and also I'm not sure, I'm not saying that this is like kind of like historical, uh, some historical like recording of, what actually happened but in, in Pirates of the Caribbean. Right, I remember, yes. Jack Sparrow plays like a version of Liar's Eyes. But yeah, yeah. Let's, you know, let's not take Pirates of the Caribbean as a historical uh, recorded event. But yeah, I think it's a part. We, there, there's something to like, talk about. That, that, we play that game a lot. Yeah, man. Okay, we well, have to play fun. for sure. And, and, we, and, we, and you should come back in the future to another podcast, man. I love talking to you. Yeah, let's do it. Like, fucking do it. Like, a, a weekly thing. It's really fun. I love podcast. Like, now I just like I can't believe like, it took me so long to get into podcasting. Like, I I started. I went on like we went me and my wife. We went to on vacation to North Carolina, mm -hmm. uh, like a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, and and driving up there like the I don't know, eleven hour drive. We're like, okay, we're not just gonna listen to music the whole time. We're gonna listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. And at that point, at that point, I didn't know that you had a podcast, so I were listening to the Conan O'Brien book. It was fucking amazing, like it's so entertaining. Like I'm engaged the entire time because the conversations are so smart and so deep, mm -hmm. and so just like funny. Like you get to understand how people think, and I think that's fucking amazing. Like I love getting that knowledge of okay, how does this guy write such great lines and comedy, and how does this amazing thinker think? And that's very, it's very cool. It's like you go deep behind people's heads when they're just talking on a microphone. A hundred percent. That that is my passion. Like, if there's one thing I can't get enough of, is like just hearing and understanding how the best people in the world think. Like how the the most successful, the most thoughtful, the most creative, the most like whatever your your field of expertise is. I want to know how you think and I want to understand you and I want to apply it to myself and I want to yeah. everybody, I want everybody to know because in, in like, I think that you, you're an amazing example of somebody, you, you come from Ecuador, nobody, like a lot of people don't know like that Ecuador exists. Like uh, you're, you're, nobody knows you. You're like nobody in, in like you finish high school. You, you, you're like funny, you're creative. And then you come up with this cool idea and then suddenly you start climbing the ranks, you become number one in the world in your, in your area. This is through my mindset. Like that's the only thing. Like you have your mind, you have your body and you can move it. And you moved it in the right direction for a certain period of time. And then you achieved success. And, and that's what I'm passionate about, man. Like really learning, like learning from the best. And also when, when we're doing very, like we all get sad, we all get, anxious we all get depressed like if this is a a natural there, there those are all natural uh, 
parts of the human experience and and we can sometimes stay there for too long and then we come out of it towards the other side and that's just like a journey that i like helping people out with like I, everybody i think that out that most people have the potential to become outstanding and exceptional in one thing in their life now will everybody apply themselves to that i don't know probably not okay you have to find but, it right first you have to find but there's so many weird things like i was yesterday listening to, uh, to a podcast actually joe rogan and he was talking to david blaine and and david blaine was telling a story about this guy that wanted to cheat he wanted to cheat in las vegas like uh, throwing dice so he literally decided that he was going to do this at age 12 this person so what he did for the next 10 years 12 hours of the day every day for 10 years he, he just threw dice, just threw dice. And he got so good at, at the nuance of how to Filling throw a dice, dice and feeling it and throw it in a specific way so he would get specific combination of numbers that he yeah. got so good that at age, I, I don't know, then like at age 18 or something, he started working in a casino for a period of time to understand like how the thing worked. And then at some point he just quit and started throwing dice in different casinos around the world. And he's he didn't explain what what this like uh, where he did it or, or this person's name or whatever but he said that this guy just like does it as a profession underground like, he, he makes enough money that he never gets caught and and he's just like a like a rich dude that learned how to throw dice and i don't know man like maybe they, like you have to be passionate about it if you were gonna do it for 10 years 12 hours a day and yeah. I do believe that every single person has some sort of potential that can be achieved if they apply the right mindset and the right actions. And, and that's what I love helping out people with, like finding them to, to, get, to, to, to know themselves enough, first of all, that to, uh, to help them understand that they can be that thing that they don't believe. It's hard to believe that you can be best in the world when you, until you are, right? Like, like, yeah. when did you think that you were, like, like it's just, like, it's just a matter of action. I, then you, Like, I always, like, I saw the ranking. I was like, yes, of course I wanted it. And I wanted it badly. But yeah. I never thought I was going to make it. Like, and I think it's just, like, what you were saying, it's putting in the hour. Like, you have to first find something you're calling. I think that you are going to put the hours and not going to sort of, like, question it. It's like you are obsessed with it and you are going to put the hours because you love it. And then you just put the hours. The problem is that I, I think the problem is that either more most people don't find it or they find the wrong things and put the hours in the wrong thing not mm -hmm. in their true calling and then like it's like what i was saying like you put messi to play baseball or another sport that in soccer he's probably not going to be the greatest full-time he has to play soccer he has to be messy have that calling for soccer the skill for soccer and then put the hours in soccer but if he does something else and i think that's the crazy thing like if you think about if every human being would find his true calling and put in the hours and make, like, follow it and come in and go for it, like, society would be, like, a much different place. But I think, yeah, it's like either you quit halfway if you find your true calling and you, because, like, I cannot find, like, it's hard to find the reason why. And maybe it's either lack of commitment, lack of, 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 of wanting it, like not being ambitious enough or being at the being at your wrong calling that's what i think like i was listening the other day like i got really into hamilton the musical like it's yeah 
brilliant. Like I saw it right before COVID hit, like in, in January this year, uh -huh. they were in Miami. And I was like, mind blown. And then they released it on Disney and I was like, oh man, this is so like powerful. And that song, like the satisfied. Yeah, you can never be satisfied. Yeah, I know that I yeah. actually know the, the whole thing by memory, I think. And then, yeah, it's like really good. So that, that song, I was like, yeah, like I relate to that. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be satisfied. Like I want to be, I want to take my agency to be the best agency and then I want to win an Emmy and then I probably want to something else. Like, it's it's that sort of like, I don't know if it's relentlessness. I don't know what's the word. I don't even know what's the word in Spanish. That sort of like constant dissatisfaction with yeah. yes, you I'm satisfied. I got to number one, yeah. but then I want more, and yeah. then I want more, and then I want more. Yeah. So that constant pushing yourself and reaching that sort of like thing that you thought was the limit, and then ah oh, wait, but there's more, and then there's more, and then there's more, and I think that's how you reach that. A hundred percent, man. You have that thing that Michael Jordan has. That it, it, I, I do think it is called relentless. Like I do think that you are relentless. It, it's this engine, like just, just pushing yourself to the next thing. Just like, what else are you gonna do in your life? Like, what else are you gonna do if not do a little bit better today? Right? Like, what else? Yeah. Like, I just wanna do better ads than I did before. Mm -hmm. So it's always like, okay, better, better, and maybe then it's better other thing um, yeah. like an ad that becomes something beyond the ad and i think that's the beauty of some of ideas that yes they're ads but they become bigger than ads and then like for example you get a fearless girl it's a statue but it's an ad but it's a statue and it means so much more uh or things like that that start changing the world and starts from advertising change the world that's the goal yeah man and it's some i mean of course it's hard but, but if you get into the right mindset of finally loving what you do, there's no other option because it is what you love to do. And, and there's no other challenge than to do a little bit better. And, you know, it starts with like, as you say, finding, finding your calling after you find your, like, and, and what, what does that mean? Finding your calling and like, like really thinking about it yourself. Like, who am I? What do I want from my life? Where do I want to go in my career? Who do I want to share my life with? And really being thoughtful about all those things then then putting in the hours. And, you know, we sometimes think all these things are like super difficult. But if you really think about this, let's say an, an example would be guitar playing. If you want to be like one standard deviation above average in terms of playing guitar, you in ter like just having the general world population you probably can do that by training two weeks like probably like, like and then you want to do another standard deviation okay you may need two months and then like after the, the first couple of years you were gonna find yourself like in the top 10 percent of the population and that's when it gets harder and that's when you really have to focus your attention and that's the grind the forever grind and yeah no, and I, and I do think that, yes, it's mostly about the grind. Like, it's 90% about the grind. But I do think there's, like, a little bit of luck. Yes. I, like, I, you have to have the calling and the talent, the predisposition to, for that thing that you love, whether it's arts or sports or whatever. You have to have the calling. You have to like them. You have to be good at it. Yes. And then the 90% of the grind. And then a little bit of luck. Because I feel like I was really lucky to like meet the, met the people that I met, 
like the two the mentors that I met because if I hadn't met them I wouldn't be able to sort of like achieve what I achieved like the people yeah. that taught me how to think on advertising that like my former bosses my mentors like Anselmo Stone, Joaquin Ignacio like all the, these the guys that gave me my first shot and that they believed in my ideas and they believed in yourself like you have to have one like if Again, going back to the Messi example, the Jordan example, if they wouldn't have met these people, these coaches, and uh, sort of like help them keep going in the right path, you're fucked. Like if you're stuck in like a shitty team or whatever without mentorship, that's it. Like not no matter how much though, if you have an extraordinary extraordinary ability with outstanding grind, you're eventually probably one someone's gonna find you and, and choose you and take you into that right like environment but i feel yeah there's also a lot about the environment and sometimes getting to in that environment it's luck and then you can like luck it's luck it's just that you know, sprinkle of luck that you need i agree i i agree that in order to become the number one person in the world in one specific area there is a, a luck factor like, like yeah yeah for sure right like, for, for sure there, there, there has to be and i also but if you put on that grind, that 90%, even if you're not the number one person, you're going to be right there. You know, like, like, like you're going to be around. You're, you may not be the number one, but you're going to be around even if you're not that lucky. As long as you're smart about it, as you were talking about mentorship, like may, you call it luck. And I think that, again, I, I think that you're being a little bit too humble because these mentors that you were able to find, like that didn't happen by just luck right like you were really good and you were a you you were very thoughtful about who you wanted to reach and it it just so happened that your works were was really good and this and, and you're also a really nice guy so so interpersonally you are very approachable your work ethic is extraordinary and your the quality of what you do is amazing so naturally like it is the natural outcome that somebody that really knows about something is going to want to work with you and it's going to want to teach you and, and, and I think that finding the right mentor, like it's something that you probably did. You know, like you probably Google who is a big person and you try to get close to that person and you try to get in touch with that person. This is something that, that, it, that it is part of the grind. I feel like, what is the next step? How do I achieve that next step? And then you go, okay, yes, I need a mentor because yes, there's only so much advertisement that I'm going to learn in freaking like college, right? Like there's only so much that you're going to learn in a master's degree or YouTube. Like, I don't know, whatever. But if you want to go to like elite level, you, you got to find the elite people and, and you got to make, like, you got to make sure that they, they, they want to teach you. And the only thing they're going to want to teach you is that if you're extremely wor good work, uh, extremely good and have an extremely good work ethic and you're interpersonally like relatable. I can't hear anything you're saying. Okay. Now I can hear you. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's sort of like how we're building the agency. We're not finding, we're not hiring like these extremely awarded, talented individuals. We are finding great people. Like that's the first like filter. If you're not a nice guy, which in advertising, there's like a lot of people that are not nice. There's a lot of egos. If you're not nice, you're not in because it's about the culture and the environment, like an environment that promotes creativity and that, that empowers. Like it's not like, bringing you down or criticizing it's like it's building and so we find nice people that have that fire you don't have to have a proven portfolio or like all the awards on your belt under your belt 
you have to be a nice guy that has the fire to want to be fucking amazing. Yeah. If you have those two things, you're probably gonna, and we put you in the right environment, you're probably most likely gonna thrive. Yeah, uh, like the name of the podcast, plugging it yeah, in. Yeah, man. But but yeah, no, I think that's that that's kind of like the thing. And now, like at this level, helping people achieve greatness, like winning awards and doing great work and seeing their work in fucking New York Times and Wall Street Journal, it's fucking amazing because you feel sort of like this pride of damn, I help this guy like it's, that is just as obsessed or even more obsessed that I am with this industry. Mm-hmm. Like achieving this thing that feels so fucking good uh, because like in some way I felt it before and now I think I'm, I'm enabling and just creating the right environment for them to feel that same thing of, of doing great work. And that feels even better than doing it in, in yourself. It's more like generous in a way. Yeah, man. So you're, you're, you're thinking about legacy now. It's. I can't hear you. A lot of agents. Oh, now I can of, hear you. Yeah, it's weird. A lot of agencies, there's a lot of great agencies historically, like just like, that left a legacy and a way to do advertising. And I think, yeah, we're, we're trying to build that. We're trying to be the best agency in the world. And we want to be the best agency in the next decade and leave that sort of like, legacy but for out of the love of advertising because we love this thing and we want to push it forward we want like we don't want it to remain where it is we want to push it to the next chapter like go beyond that and 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 i think we have the love for it (laughs) at least we have the love for it and we're trying to go there we'll we'll see like we're, we're pretty we're pretty relentless in that sense so uh that's that's what we're trying to do, creating this place where people want to come work because they know that, that if they're nice and they are ambitious uh, and they have the fire in their eyes, uh, they're, they're going to do great work and they're going to be successful and make a difference in the world. Amazing. According I think that was... legacy, like creating that environment, creating that culture that, you know, like those guys are, that's a place where you want to go. And there are places like that. Like that, that's why when I came to the U.S., I wanted to go to the best possible uh, training program. That's why. That's why I'm like. That's why I came. Uh, I did residency where I did. That's where I did my sh- my fellowship where I did. And I just wanted to surround myself with the best people so that I could absorb from them and just like be the best version of what I can be. And it sounds like that's what you, your agency is becoming, which is pretty cool. I can't hear you. But now I can what? hear you. Yeah, that's weird. Like when I stop talking, like it just mutes me. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, like that's where like we're two years in building the agency. That's where we're trying to go for. There's a, there's like this agency called Wyden and Kennedy. They've been at the grind for thirty years. They become there are the best agents in the world right now, and and they created that. So it can be done. But now we want to do it as well. So I like that's that's yeah, it's the beauty of you like coming to the US to work as an Ecuadorian uh, and playing in this league because this is kind of like the Champions League of fucking advertising. Mm-hmm. This and the UK, but it's like playing at that level. Like you have to fucking perform at the highest level, uh, and that's fucking amazing because it just pushes you to be better. Like you can, there's no not performing like it's you always need to be great and it, then it's from great to excellent if you want to be the best in the world yeah. so i think that 
I think that we should end it here. I think we should like. I think that there's a this is a lot of wisdom that it, we have put in this last. I think almost two hours. I think this is the longest podcast so far. What's, I can't what, hear you. Where you what? Yeah, no, no, I can. That's that's a record. That's cool. What? Why are you gonna name it? Because I I was hearing the the one you did with the Hota, and you named oh. it. He was dead death in Texas. I, I love the naming process of the the, the the episode. Okay, so this one should be called Relentless. Like it? That's pretty cool. Well, you're the creative guy. Tell me what do you think. S sums it up pretty well. Yeah, I think so too. From Lendless. So you sneak in the rum in there. So wait, I didn't hear what you said. Like, like we couldn't hear. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, now I can. Begin rum and make rum Lendless. So rum Lendless, yes. <laughs> Perfect. That's what we're gonna, that's what, how it's gonna be called. I love, I love wordplay. <laughs> Tons. All right, man. Well, thank you for thank you for taking the time, and it was great talking to you, man. And I'll I'll see you soon. I'll be in Miami at some point. If you come to New York, let me know, and we'll hang out. And otherwise, I'll see you in Ecuador, and we'll go to Puerto Rico. Can you hear I can me? Hear you. I can, there we go. There we go. Yeah, it's like it has that lag, um, for sure, man. Like, I mean, thank you so much for inviting me. This was amazing. Love, always love talking with you. Like, we have like, always these deep conversations, usually over rum. I didn't have my rum this time, but thank you for the time. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge honor and hope we can meet soon and, and hopefully in Puerto Rico, yeah. having some, some rums there. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, talk soon and thank you again. Yeah. Bye man.